1: Welcome back to Beck Daily, presented by Ben MGM Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is former Major League catcher Eric Kratz. Make sure to catch him on the Foul Territory Show on YouTube Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Let's talk about these Texas Rangers, because on the one hand, they won the game last night. They lead the best of seven series, two games to one. On the other hand, they may have lost to Dulles-Garcia, Max Scherzer wasn't able to get deep into the game because of back issues. Rangers in a good spot or in a bad spot? Do the injuries outweigh leading the series?
2: Man, I mean, you, you got you to love that you have a lead. And you have a lead going into a game that is really a toss-up. I know we'll probably get into it a little bit. Like, who do you think's going to win is really a gut thing. It's really on and I have, I have extra, extra area in the whole gut, you know, really feeling the gut here. So <laughs> you gotta, I mean, my mind says it's a bad thing because if the Diamondbacks come back and tie this up, now all of a sudden you're just playing a three game series. And while you have the starting matchups that you look like on both teams, really you're behind the eight ball losing the greatest showman on earth this, this post And Adolis Garcia.
3: Yeah, I, on one hand, you're thrilled that you have a two-one advantage, and you know in the back of your mind, when teams take a three-one advantage, they win the World Series eighty-five percent of the time. It's it happened so many times, but uh, I'm here in Chicago, so I've seen it go the other way too. <laughs> and being part of that fifteen percent, that was uh, one of the best uh, times of my life. But the the World Series price is now minus three hundred. With all that going on with the Rangers and they had to use so much of their pen yesterday going into this uh, pivotal game number four, uh, do you think Texas should be minus 300 this morning?
2: Man, I honestly did not see that. And that is, that's crazy to me. There's a reason they have those numbers. And so I can't like completely shy away, but I would say this. Let's look at the final and more look at, if you think the Diamondbacks are going to win this, To me. I take the Diamondbacks in the series. If you think they're going to win today, you yes. line it up and you say I think I think you take them for the series. I say that because today is and that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the Diamondbacks right now is because yes, they you know, it's a bullpen game, you don't really know what you're going to get and the Rangers have a little bit more length in the bullpen, but you saw it in game 2 when the Rangers don't have their A or B starters, and they don't have their one, two, or three in the back end, kind of gets away from them. The Diamondbacks really get that push and they just keep pushing runs across one at a time. They don't bunt, they don't run when they're not winning. So to me, it's really about how the Diamondbacks come out here. And if the Diamondbacks score two or three runs before, you know, they have like a two, three run lead by the fourth inning. I would stay away from the game and go right to the series and say, you know what, I'm taking the D-backs for the rest of the series because I feel like it all lines up that the D-backs can win it, even if it's tied 2-2, and I think you'll get your best money out of it right now.
4: What would you do with the total tonight at 9.5, knowing it is a bullpen game? Would you look over, stay away, under?
2: I would take my feelings that I got hurt last night that they didn't take the over because I had the over because, I mean, Alfonso Marquez's strike zone, while it's a big talking point, it's like this big. And you had to, like, figure out how to throw a strike into a strike zone that is inconsistent, but it's the tiniest one in the league. So I went over last night, and I missed horribly. So I'm going to double down on the over because I think the – I think the roof is going to be open. If you want to wait a little bit with the roof open, that's when I'd put my over in because it might even go up a half. It might even go up to 10. Right now it's at nine and a half, and I I really like it at nine and a half. And when they announce the roof's going to be open or closed, if it's open, I'm taking the over 100%.
1: And not to mention on BetMGM, the over nine and a half is at even money. The under nine and a half is at minus 120. So definitely there's some, some potential value there as well. As far as hitters who perform well uh, out at Chase Field, are you looking at, say, Diamondbacks hitters, uh, either to get over one and a half bases or home runs or things like that, potentially with the roof open?
2: I you know I don't know that it necessarily changes with the roof open which hitters are going to hit I think the Diamondbacks I love like a like a Diamondbacks parlay of Cattell Marte Tommy Pham and Corbin Carroll just one base give me one base because clearly last night MLB is not going to hurt or not going to you know discourage Cattell Marte from getting a hit he hit a line drive right at Marcus Simeon they still called it a hit so pretty much if Marte puts the ball in play and he touches first base without being called out. It's going to be a knock. So that's almost a lock. And I really I really like those three guys. I like it at at one base, a piece. I think that was paying. I think it was plus 350 or plus 300 when I looked at it this morning one base mm. for each of those in a parlay. Mm. Uh okay.
3: so we talked about Talked about the idea of tonight. If you like Arizona, you should probably bet them on the series, plus 240, 250, somewhere in that range. What about the MVP? If you think the Diamondbacks are going to win the series, the shortest number we see on anybody is Tommy Pham at plus 950 for World Series MVP. You, th- you think Pham's the guy, or would you go somewhere else on a Diamondback?
2: Man, you know what? I looked into it last night, and I said, okay, wh- who who's voting for this? fans mm-hmm. are voting for this okay they're voting with their heart mm-hmm. heartfelt story last night he gave up his opportunity to become part of history by giving jace peterson that at bat in game two um, and the writers oh they all read that story heartfelt story and tommy fan keeps raking listen like whoever it is they gotta rake they're gonna have to come up to me i see a tommy Pham or a merrill Kelly. And, and both of those guys, now, it's not going to take anything away from Cattell Marte. Cattell Marte is doing it, but he's kind of singling us to death. And I don't know that they're going to necessarily ride that storyline. So, to me, if the Diamondbacks win it, they're going to pitch around Cattell. They're going to pitch around Corbin Carroll. And they're going to try to push – when they're not pitching around them, they're going to push their matchups to face those guys – they're not bringing guys in to face Tommy Fam that are you know Tommy Fam killers. Tommy Fam is eating, and he just keeps eating this entire series. I love that numbers that you said plus nine fifty yesterday. It was plus eight hundred. So I even mm. like it. I even like it more today. But if you have a little bit and you're 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 a hedging person, I think mm-hmm. a Merrill Kelly can get you. Man, I looked at it yesterday. It was it was in the high plus 1600, something like that. And so there's, there's another, there's another strong, strong case if he goes out and does what he did in game in game two.
4: So stay away from Cattell Marte then, because he's been so consistent. He's making history, but maybe just not flashy enough to actually win it.
2: I, I guess, I guess maybe I'm kind of staying off the pass line on the, on the craps table. (laughs) You know, it's, it's consistent and I've, I've bet the whole year consistently. Uh, and you know, but that's on like stats, and stats would say tell Marte is not going to hit get a hit in the next, let's see, they have four games left. He's not gonna get a hit in each game the rest of the way out. But he's proven me wrong the whole so far that he's broken the postseason record for hit streak. So, hey, this is why it's exciting. But to me, Tommy Pham has the heartstrings of the voters right now. And to me, that's where I would lean to, especially at plus 950.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: This is something I brought up on the show yesterday, but uh, Marcus Simeon uh, finally got off the schneid. Goodness, he was having a rough postseason, uh, even though he was batting leadoff, and Bruce Bochy kept him uh, you know, le- leading things off, uh, but finally got off the schneid last night. I'm curious, though, yeah, Bochy is definitely much of a player's manager as far as sticking with his guys no matter if they're struggling, but how much longer can he do that if, say, the Diamondbacks win game
2: four? The whole time there is, there is no, like as much as people want to say analytics, people want to say, you know, Bochy's a players guy. I had a, I had a manager with the Phillies. His name was Charlie Manuel. He had the most Mm. easy country saying of all time. He would say, Hey, Craig, let let me tell you about some, he said, he's not hot right now. I'm about to move him up in the lineup because he's about to get hot. And I said, okay, why Chuck? He goes, cause water levels out. And water levels out. And so that's why maybe I'm pushing against Catel Marte for winning the MVP. And I would say, if you want a – you know, I, I'm looking at two bases for, for Simeon tonight. Because, again, they are not going to match up against Marcus Simeon. They are saying, we know how to throw to him. We're going to bring in – look at who they're starting. They're starting Joe Mantiply. Because they're afraid of what Evan Carter and Corey Seager can do at the top of that lineup. And Marcus Simeon is a much better hitter than a one, I think it's like 192 so far in the postseason, 172 in the postseason. He is bound to come out tonight against a cavalcade of relievers that are going to come in and they're just, they're just going to throw, they're going to, I mean it sounds super remedial. they're gonna throw balls in the strike zone. they're just gonna flip balls up there in the strike zone, and Marcus Simeon he's gonna be swinging, and I really think I see a double down the line, maybe even a two hit game from from Simeon here tonight
3: yeah, I, I like that case, maybe some scoring there uh for because this man supply, there's no pitcher props on the Arizona side, but you can find some on the Boom. Texas side but Haney <laughs> is there. So what do they do tonight? What's the game plan there? The outs recorded is nine and a half and strikeouts two and a half. I I was surprised that they even decided to post anything.
2: I didn't see any outs posted. So you have the updated. I got to re I got to re up. I I like this. I like the under on the nine and a half outs recorded. That's telling Hmm. me that they're going to push him through three plus innings. I say not a chance. I say if they get three innings out of Andrew Heaney, they are they're running to the bank just like I'm running to the bank with the money I'm putting down on the under there of nine and a half. <laughs> just, just, because, just because think about how, how the lineup is stacked up for the Diamondbacks. They're going to mm-hmm. give him a shot at Corbin Carroll. They may even let Ketel Marte bat against him. Let's say he goes through the first, the first few times through the order, He's going to give up at least one hit he's not a ground a huge double play pitcher so the chance of him getting hitting and um getting them to induce a double play is low and so i see a walk because he's going to pitch around one guy and so you're going to get an opportunity to get seven outs and you're back at the top of the order in my in my math and he's going to face Martin, he's going to face corbin carroll and Marte, because they want to turn him around right-handed, that is the max, max I see Heaney going. Like, I don't see Bochy, and Bochy is a guy who who loves his players and he's going to let his players play. But I see him bringing in, bringing in a righty as soon as, you know, I, I don't see more than nine outs from Heaney. So I love that. Yeah. I love that under of nine and a half.
4: Any other batter props that you like? Home run, hit. It's not a lot of value on hit, especially some of the guys you just mentioned. It's like minus 150, minus 190. I don't know if you can parlay them. Anything else you're interested in tonight?
2: I like the matchups. I like the matchups. I saw a Hmm. Gabrielle Moreno versus Mitch Garver matchup. It's kind of a new feature. I honestly, it's new for me. I didn't I hadn't seen it until the postseason when I was more locked into one game at a time. And I really like the Gabriel Moreno. Mitch Garver matchup was at minus one twenty for Gabriel Moreno to have less strikeouts than Mitch Garver. Mitch Garver is going to he's gonna punch out. He might hit he might hit more, he might get more bases than Gabriel Moreno in you know, in a swing, in a swinging contest. But I feel like Mitch Garver is, he's up there to swing it and he doesn't swing out of the zone, but he also doesn't swing much in the zone. So there's going to be, there's going to be a more K's for him. And it's a plus, it's a minus 120 for Moreno. It just feels yeah. like a fun bet for me to like, kind of watch this matchup in a game that it's so tough to tell what's going to be, what the outcome is going to be.
1: Good stuff. Former major league catcher, Eric Kratz. Thank you so much for your time. We
2: appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. Anytime guys.
1: Absolutely. Make sure to catch Eric on the foul territory show on YouTube Monday through Friday at one o'clock Eastern time. This is Beckuel daily presented by Ben MGM coming up next. It is futures day on Beckuel daily. Time to dive into our favorite NFL team and award markets over the next hour. AFC North, NFC South, NFC East, Just a few of the divisions we will be talking about, and that's coming up next right here on the BetQL Network.
0: We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL.
1: Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And it is Futures Day here on the program. So let's start with divisions, and we will begin with the NFC South. We've got the Falcons uh, with the shortest odds at even money. Saints at plus 145 to win the NFC South. The Bucs are at 5-1, to one, and the Panthers, uh, we'll not talk about them. But, Joe, where do you see value in the NFC South?
3: <sighs> I hate them all. You know, this is the same conversation we had all offseason, too. I hate them all. Like, do you trust any of these teams? Is, is there one that you look at like yeah you know what there's someone situation. has
1: to win it right they
3: they will they still do. give out the honor <laughs> they they will give out the honor someone has to win it but we don't have to bet it that's the beautiful thing um no i don't trust any of them like and the prices that we're seeing the the one the most interesting thing that i do see about the south in our world is that there is disagreement on which team should be favored. But MGM has the Falcons at even money right now. And there are other sports books that agree with MGM. But then there are some that are like, you know what? No, the Saints should be the favorite. The Saints should be the favorite instead of the Falcons. Everybody has Bucks third tier, not close to the top two. And then, of course, Panthers way, way down the line, even after getting their first win. But, yeah, I mean, the debate is, do you go Falcons? Do you go Saints? Is it worth your time and like, there's disagreement. There's pretty uh, – th- I, I guess that part is interesting. Um, I I would not be able to go to the, the my favorite app, the one that has the best number, and say I'm betting on the Falcons to win the division. I would not be able to do that just based on what I've seen in the first half of the season.
4: Yeah, Ian McMillan, you hear that? <laughs> frauds. <That>, fraud.
3: <laughs> Falcons, frauds. He better put right, them in the so list of- week.
4: I agree. Here was my process. If, if we don't want to bet on any of them, just go where there's value. And no, I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about the Panthers. I'm talking about the bucks. They've actually been pretty competitive in these last three losses. Well, maybe not to the lions, but only lost by three to the fraudulent Falcons, um, 24, 18, the final to the bills. And then they've got the Texans, Titans, Niners, Colts, Panthers, Falcons. again. Green Bay, Jacksonville, Saints. So, it's not that bad. Uh I mean, at what almost 4 plus 440, I'm sure there's a better number. I don't hate just taking the team that <clears throat> if we all think they're all kind of pretty even, I don't think there's that big of a gap between the Falcons and the Bucks personally. Put my money on the Bucks.
1: Yeah, 5-1 for Tampa Bay, for sure. There's, there's something there. In terms of the South, and maybe you can make this argument for other divisions, I want to know my quarterback is going to be healthy. And, yeah, with the Falcons, there could be that quarterback change with Taylor Heineke, which they should have done a long time ago. But regardless, I want to know my quarterback is going to stay upright. Because if he doesn't, and you're going to a backup, it almost doesn't matter who the backup is – that offense will take a significant step back. So what I did was I wanted to look at sack rate and pressure rate. When it comes to Desmond Ritter, his sack rate is 9.1% with a pressure rate of greater than 31%. So he's taking in a lot of sacks that he shouldn't. Derek Carr's sack rate is 6.2% and he's facing a higher pressure rate. And So Derek Carr does a way better job of avoiding sacks than Desmond Ritter. So regardless of whatever you think of Derek Carr, the fact that he's likelier to stay healthy for the duration of the season, that's why I think the Saints are in a better position than the Falcons, Joe.
3: And I can't argue that. And and we think about where they were before the season started. The Saints were minus 200 for much of the summer, and it came down a little bit as we got closer and closer to the season. I don't don't mind that, getting them at plus money, but – I'm also not going to edit um, the bucks. I agree with Aaron's process that th- there's no team that you're sold on. Just take the best number that's out there. But I also told myself the last couple of times that I, I watched them like they're probably going to be a fade. T- they're a fade <laughs> team now. So if I'm saying that they're a fade team, I can't back them to win the division, but I totally agree with that process.
4: Also, talking about this division on the heels of our scariest future graveyard bets, right. I'm, let yeah. me make this clear. I am not betting on the NFC South. I'm not outs. doing anything. Let's just, nope. yeah, let's, nope. I am not putting any money on this division. This is t- just a conversation right now.
3: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Are you scared away? Yes okay yes all right well then let's move on to the AFC North a division that's anything but scary Uh, Ravens minus 135 to take it on BetMGM Bengals at plus 325 Browns at plus 425 and the Steelers at nine to one Joe what are you thinking here
3: oh good a division that actually has talent so uh this is a much more enjoyable conversation you know the Bengals yeah yeah much more um (laughs) The Bengals are the second favorite. But saying that and talking about the number are a couple of different things. Even though the Bengals are the second favorite, it's not like there was this huge leap after their current three-game winning streak after taking out San Francisco. Uh, We talked about them a week or so ago before their bye when it was plus 450. Um, But you can still find a plus 330 for them to win the division. I find that really interesting. They're one back in the loss column. I know that's the situation for everyone. That's how tight the division is right now. One back in the loss column behind Baltimore. Of course, they lost their first matchup to Baltimore. But, hey, if you take the next one coming up in a few weeks, who cares? Uh, the The issue that the Bengals uh, dug themselves into this hole here was losing two division games to start the season. It wasn't just a slow start. The schedule makers had them start with the division And they lost both of them, Cleveland, Baltimore, to start the year when Burrow clearly wasn't 100%. Now it certainly looks like he is with that extra time to prepare. Now you got Buffalo. This is what I keep coming back to. I I think the reason we're still getting value on the Bengals is they have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL. It's brutal. It's not just Buffalo this week. And then it's Baltimore in a couple weeks. Then it's Jacksonville a couple weeks after that. They, they finished the season, Pittsburgh, KC, Cleveland. It's, it's a brutal road. Brutal road for them. Um, but you look elsewhere, I think you kind of want to play the game where you're uh, putting a line through teams, and you're not going to bet the Ravens. You're not going to lay a price in this division on them right now with a one-game lead in the loss column. I get that. And how much do you trust the quarterback situations in Cleveland and Pittsburgh? So I understand why a lot of people would be left with Cincinnati, even though the schedule is so challenging.
4: Yeah, the schedule is challenging. I think now is a great time to buy on the Bengals, but maybe not division. I know this is a division conversation, but even Mm. though there's more value on the Bengals right now compared to other teams that you feel confident in, I mean, I wouldn't, put my money on anyone else but the bengals in that division I would probably just bet them conference right now you know if you're gonna bet anything because I just don't think there's enough value for division
3: I, I I think a lot of that is what do you think happens this week mm-hmm. so if they win the numbers gonna, <laughs> could to be gone right for Super Bowl they're 18 to one um in the conference number you know somewhere around half of that But if you think they're going to lose, then you want to wait, obviously. Right? And then maybe that would be the time we jump in. Yeah. Plus
4: perhaps 950 to to win the conference? I don't hate that for the Bengals.
1: No, I, I don't necessarily hate that either. When it comes to the division, though, I feel like my process is such to where they do face the Ravens one more time. I feel like the Bengals have to win that game. If they lose to Baltimore one more time, then I don't see them winning the division because they're already one and a half Mm -hmm. games back, lost to the Ravens already. They lose again, then they lose out on those tiebreakers. And, you know, all other things being equal, you're two and a half games back and you're running out of time as far as making that up. Like, you're, you're needing Lamar Jackson to go down at that point to have any hope of capturing the AFC North. And not only that, but when you look at the matchup between Cincy and Baltimore, on the one hand, D.C. Lou Anarumo, he's not fared well against Lamar Jackson, really except once, week seven in 2021, when they sacked Jackson five times. And look, yes, you go to the look-ahead line, and in that upcoming matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens a few weeks from now, the Bengals are one-point favorites. So the market is suggesting that Joe Burrow and company can definitely be competitive against the Ravens. And if the market is telling us that with the look ahead, then maybe there is some value taking the Bengals right now, but they probably need to beat Buffalo. They absolutely need to beat the Ravens going forward. And if either of those things don't happen, then I don't believe the Bengals really have a path. And then they're going to have to fight out of the wild card, in which case they might get some not so great matchups there.
3: Yeah, I, I, when when I consider bets on the Bengals, I'm looking at bigger picture stuff more than the division. Mm-hmm. I like Aaron mentioned. I would look at conference. I would look at Super Bowl numbers. And if you think they're going to lose this week, they are short home favorites against Buffalo. Yo, that 18 will be a 20, and then maybe that would be the time time to pounce because what we saw on Sunday is what we all were waiting for. Maybe we're weighing it too heavily. That is possible. It is one Sunday, but I don't think we are because we're, we're talking about a sample size of a few years. It takes them a little bit of time. They're figuring things out. Let's, let's also not forget that on the defensive side, and we talked about this early in the season, we kind of forgot about talking about it, is a lot of changing parts in that secondary. So... Mm-hmm. maybe it wasn't just Burrow needing time at the start of the season to get healthy. There's also the defensive side where they needed time to figure, figure things out. What what was best moving forward for them. So I, I, we may be there. We may be there right now.
1: Perhaps you might be right there.
3: How about we move on to the
1: NFC East? The Eagles are minus 200 to take that division. The Cowboys are plus 155. This is obviously a two horse race here, Joe is it time to back the Cowboys or do you want to wait after their meeting on Sunday uh, or is there say the value on the Eagles at a really steep price?
3: Again, I mean, it's a, it's a one game gap here. What do you think is going to happen this weekend? If you think the Cowboys are going to win, bet it now, bet it now. If you don't have anything, we've got preseason futures on the Cowboys to win the division, but, After this week, if they can take down the Eagles, this is going to be a nice winning streak for them because they'll probably smash the Giants at home. Then they go to Carolina. They they host the commanders like it could end up being a five, six winning streak here. So the, if you think they're going to win, this is the time. Now, if you think they're going to lose and then they go on a run and then they're going to do Cowboys things and they're going to beat up bad opponents, you want to wait. But it's another one of these situations where it depends on what your opinion is of uh, Sunday.
4: Do we even really need to ask me this? Of course I'm not betting on the Cowboys. Yeah, to you've win been positive division. Cowboys
3: lately. You've been positive Cowboys you- lately.
4: It's situational, just like the Commanders. Right. Now so It's a situationship situation.
1: with the Cowboys.
4: The end of the Cowboys schedule is pretty rough. Well, except for the very mm-hmm. last game against the Commanders. But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they probably will split with the Commanders, in all honesty. The way these uh, five games. East games go. There's five yeah.
3: games in a row that are
4: tough. Oh, my gosh. They got the Lions, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Eagles, the Seahawks. Yeah, it's going to be rough. This is a stay away for me. I'm obviously not going to back the Cowboys, <laughs> and there's no value for me at minus 250 on the Eagles. So, no, thank you. you think
3: the Cowboys lose this week? They're way too early <sighs> prediction. Well, not official play, just throwing it out there. Because I, th- I think it matters what you believe happens on mm-hmm. Sunday.
4: I always think the Cowboys are going to lose. No, you don't. Wait, no way. No
1: <laughs> way. No way. No way. No,
4: You've been I right lately on this. Stenographer! I know. <laughs> you got to pick and choose your spots, right? They're not going to lose all the time. Yes. You got to put your hatred to the side, as Joe said earlier on the show <laughs> about his lions. Um, but Here's yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll the, say this is an yeah. L for them. I'll be on the okay. Eagles. Okay. I think
1: the season series between the Cowboys and the Eagles will be a split. And if, if that's what I think, then there is a possibility that the Cowboys okay. lose this, in which case there is going to be a way better number that I want to pounce upon because, all right, fine. Now it's a two-game deficit. Well, so what? They're going to win the next meeting, and so it'll be back to a one-game deficit. Yeah. And can the Cowboys make up one game? Absolutely they can. Bigger lesson to me, though, We're going to be looking at strength of schedule a lot in these division markets, but I would argue that they don't matter that much unless you're talking about extremes. You go by PFF, the Eagles' strength of schedule is fifth hardest, the Cowboys are ninth. To me, that's not that big of a difference. I don't want to place bets because of small strength of schedule differences. I want much greater gaps for me to factor that into my handicapping. This is BetQL Daily presented by Venom Coming up next, still a lot of NFL award markets to be decided. We will look at Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and so much more. That's right here on the BetQL Network.
0: It's Futures Day on BetQL Daily, and we're always looking for value down the board. Stay locked in for the next hour as we bring your favorite updated NFL team futures and player awards.
1: Welcome back to Back to All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross Joe Ostrowski and Aaron Hawksworth here with you as we continue Futures Day here on the program. Let's get to Offensive Rookie of the Year. C.J. Stroud still the favorite at minus 165 per BetMGM. Puka Nakua at 3-1, Jordan Anderson at 12-1, and now Jameer Gibbs has entered the conversation at 16-1. Joe, Mm -hmm. would you like to buy some stock in Gibbs or maybe go elsewhere down the board?
3: No, yesterday was the time. And that's why we talked about it yesterday, because we said this is a Gibbs spot. All signs point to him being on the field a ton. They're going to lean on him. They should win the game. They're favored by more than a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Another way to bet Gibbs if you're not doing total yards, which, by the way, I wish they offered more all-lines than Gibbs because I would have bet him. The 125 plus mm-hmm. in total yards was plus 200. And that's the highest that I saw. If there was a 150 plus, I would have bet that. If there was a 175 plus, I probably would have bet it and both would have hit because he ends up with 189. Uh, I would not bet him now at 16 to 1. We talked about it 24 hours ago when it was 50 to 1. Big difference between 50 to 1 and 16 to 1. But the idea, the reason we were having the conversation is not only did we expect a big game from Gibbs, but also Stroud is a vulnerable favorite, right? And you have to lay a price on Stroud right now at minus 165 at BetMGM. MGM. And now Puka, it looks like he's going to be missing his starting quarterback. And Jordan Addison doesn't have a a quarterback in, in any sense. And Achan is on the, the injured list, and Will Levis, reality is going to set in. That number keeps on dropping. Levis is down to 35. That's crazy. Crazy to me. So where do you go? That's the thing. And Montgomery, Detroit's going on by now. Montgomery's going to come back, and he's going to – they were even talking about on the broadcast right now. Like last night, Aiken's like, man, they really miss Montgomery. This is a spot for Montgomery. And when I was uh, holding off on giving too much praise to the Lions, part of it was because they were getting stalled in the red zone. Why? I think part of it was because they didn't have David Montgomery out there. So he's going to go back to being the starter when he makes his return. So that's why Gibbs at 16, no. 50, yeah. 16, absolutely not. So where do you go? Where do you go? Does Bryce Young have a chance? (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm saying there's a half a season of football left, guys. Like he he's getting better slowly. He doesn't have any weapons around him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to change things offensively. I I don't know if he's going to play every game moving <clears throat> forward. I'm just I'm just looking for somebody.
4: Yeah, the thing with Gibbs, he had the breakout game that we were all waiting for. What if he does carry the heavy workload? Or maybe it's a situational. <clears throat> Thing when Montgomery comes back, where, you know, depending on the opponent, one guy goes off one game. We just don't know what his role, Gibbs' role, will be when David Montgomery comes back. And that's what worries me a little bit.
1: It seems to me like rookie running backs get more and more of the workload as the season progresses, and that that makes a lot of intuitive sense, right? Like if running backs tend to get better over time, then certainly rookie running backs, as far as just understanding an NFL offense, that gets better and better over time. And so, I still feel like that Gibbs will have a significant role in this Lions' attack, regardless of which personnel is available. So, in, in that sense. I think it's more of a, well, the best number was available and now it's gone argument. I think that is sort of what's, you know, what's treading water to me. But as far as other receivers, first off, I said this in the preseason and to me, I'm not putting this in the graveyard just yet, but I can't back any quarterback for Offensive Rookie of the Year at this point. C.J. Stroud, it's a terrible number. Bryce Young, yeah, he's getting better, but he's not going to get so much better between here and the end of the season to where we're all going to forget about what a slow start he had. I think it's too late for that. Like, even if he's gangbusters at the end... It's just going to be too little too late. So I don't really like any quarterbacks. Certainly I don't like Will Levis here as well. Uh, A-Chan was going to be a great bet, but he got hurt, and so he's probably going to be out of the running now. Zay Flowers still has his quarterback. So at 25-1, to I think there's still some value there. It looks like Rasheed Rice is going to be wide receiver two for the Chiefs. That to me is interesting. He's at 40-1. to Pat Mahomes should stay healthy for the rest of the year. That is a good bet still, I believe. As someone who should evolve and get better over time, I would not be surprised if we have two to three monster Rasheed Rice games. 40 to 1 is probably a good deal at this point. But to me, the bigger question is which quarterbacks will be out there upright and healthy to make sure that these rookie receivers can do what they can do. Zay Flowers, I think, offers the best value. I think Rasheed Rice is still very much in this conversation. But other than that, guys who are high on the board, and you touched upon it, Joe, Nakua, Addison, I can't bet those guys right now. Nope,
3: you cannot.
4: What about Sam Laporta? He went over his prop last night. He's got his quarterback. mm -hmm. That could be a guy to keep an eye on at 60 to 1.
1: Okay, so yeah, not marked on BetMGM uh, from what I see, but sixty to one, I wouldn't hate that, Joe.
4: Yeah,
3: I mean the thing, nobody's talking about him. I I think some in the fantasy community are talking about him. We've never, I don't think we've seen. Maybe it's one time where tight end has has won this award. It's been been quite some time. That'll be. Here's what I'm thinking, just looking at the Texans schedule. Has the league figured something out on C.J. Stroud? I don't know. Last game, it was New Orleans. That's a tough matchup. Atlanta's defense has improved before that. Uh, he had a tough time with Carolina. Remember, Carolina had two weeks to prepare for this matchup. They, I assume they were studying a lot of film on Stroud. What's coming up next? Tampa, great against the run. Probably going to pass. Let's see how Stroud does in that matchup. In a few weeks, they get Arizona. In five weeks, they get Denver. Like there are going to there are some games in the schedule where Stroud should revert to form a little bit. And he's going to have his challenging matchups too, like there's a Cleveland game, there's a Jacksonville game, there's a Jets game. But it looks like the schedule kind of staggers where tough matchup, soft matchup, tough matchup, soft matchup. And as long as he's the starter for every game, I know it's not betting advice because we've said we would not lay this price on Stroud, but these other names that we're talking about and how far back they are right now, as long as Stroud is on the field, he's going to win this award.
4: Yeah, it makes sense. I just mm-hmm. don't know. If, I mean, Jaron Hall, is he going to be getting the ball? From Adams? <laughs> don't start.
3: I can't. I can't <laughs> I still don't know what happened. I don't know what that was. I've a lot of questions. I was up all night thinking about it. Like what was going? <sighs> <laughs>
1: So, so you got the Paul James Harden news in the moment because you were wide awake wondering what happened. Harden.
3: Harden. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's everybody with an H. I can't. It's happy Halloween, guys.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Paul, where are you? Can we get a pronunciation? Yeah,
3: he wants it to end.
4: <laughs>
1: right. You've had 24 He's hours hardened. to uh, come up with a story. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm here.
0: <laughs> Some people just pronounce certain letters certain ways. You know? It's a regional, yeah, right. regional thing. I don't know. I, have no, I didn't even, like, know, what like cool I didn't even know what happened. I didn't even know what happened at the time. <laughs> yeah. Cool whip. Cool whip. Cool whip. Yeah. I had a uh, high school teacher what if- who did that. I
1: I lost my mind every time he said whip. Or what do
0: oh, you what think about Jaron? What oh, if Jaron Hall is Brock Purdy? I guess I that's your his. case for Jordan Addison. Like,
3: Paul's yeah. always looking for a quarterback who's a bum. Everybody knows well, they're a bum, but like maybe lightning in a bottle for a month or two. Right? Founding member yeah. of the agency. Yeah. I mean
0: what if what if he's CJ Stroud <laughs> slash Brock Purdy? There's no tape on him. He can get the ball to his dynamic wide receiver. Young wide receiver, who there's also not a ton of tape on him other than highlight plays. I mean, at the number, yeah. what is the number on uh, Addison right now? Like, it's not a buy spot it's right not now. even what, 16, good. something like that. Yeah. No, so yeah, it's not even good. 12. What about Bijan and I... Taylor Heineke? Mm,
1: to me, Bijan has to be a receiver 20. as well, right? Like, he's got to be a pass catcher for him to be taken seriously. And it, it, it hadn't really worked out up to this point so it, it's got to have a massive uptick for me to take it seriously we, maybe the number is good in that regard but still it, it's not well, just Paul, as rushing as it's going to get him this board
3: Paul brought up Levis no. to Wesley like in our te- text chat we should mention it I love Will Levis about, yeah. about why it's love not the going air. to be
0: Levis though huh? <laughs> um, off the just <laughs> for, for the quarterbacks
3: that for the quarterbacks that have won this award, like if you quickly look at the last nine games played, it's got to be in that 14, 15 range. Herbert, 15. Kyler, 16. Dax, 16. RG3, 15. Mm-hmm. Cam, 16. Bradford, 16. Matt Ryan, 16. Vince Young, 15. Big Ben, 14. Like, it, there's just not going to be enough time for Levis. Yeah.
4: but when a, a different position player won it, was there any good quarterbacks competing with them? Because as you even said, Joe, there's still plenty of football left to be played. If Will Levis right. is that dude, I definitely think there's a case for him and you're getting also, value right now.
0: Also, just like same number, 50, when I brought it up, might have been longer. Why is Gibbs a buy at 50 with the same amount of time left and Levis, Levis is not? That's what I can't wrap my mind around.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, we... we... I mean, we had been talking about Gibbs a little bit. Like, it it was a kind of, okay, he's out there, you know, he's not doing a whole lot of work, compared with, say, a quarterback where you're not out there at all. There's nothing you can point to as far as contributions. But at least if you're out there, maybe you can make the pass-blocking argument or the run-blocking argument, something like that. You know, funky personnel, at least you're out there, you know, for gadget plays, things like that. That is an argument you can be made. But if you're a quarterback... You're not doing
0: anything. Okay. Similar Kate, Bijan, do you get any benefit from the fact that he was one of the favorites coming in? Now he's dropped down a little. He's been out there, he was doing things. All right, now he he's got to be in the He best needs a monster game. Well, game. He, he needs a massive right. game. He needs to pop as a pass catcher, not
1: not just running, but I think the Heineke thing, that's what makes it interesting. So I I'm still torn. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Bama and LSU face off this weekend. One of my favorite games of the year. Brad Powers joins us with his favorite college football bets for that game and the rest of the college card. That's right here on the BetQL Network.